Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Today's episode is sponsored by Chris Cody's Golf Shop, the home of the free club fitting. Check out their retail stores and top tracer driving ranges in Portland and Southington to see why they're Connecticut's friendliest golf shop. Visit chriscodygolf.com. That's Chris, C-O-T-E, golf.com to learn more. If Nathan Groove is on the podcast, you, you know the Travelers Championship is almost here. By far, my favorite sporting event in Connecticut each and every year. Nathan, welcome back to the podcast. Well, I love that intro, that we're this favorite sporting <laughs> event. Happy to be here. Uh, to your point, it's, uh, it's summer and the uh, tournament's right around the corner. Yeah, I can't wait to, to see what we've got lined up for this year. But I want to start by taking a look back at last year. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on the event uh, last year and getting back to some sense of normalcy with the event and having fans back out there. I tell you what, it was, uh, it was one of the craziest things, right? Coming, coming, I got to go backwards one year before I talked about last year. Like, I mean, 2020 when, you know, we had the event and we're standing around the 18th hole and, and Dustin Johnson puts in to win. And at the time he was the number one ranked player in the world. And there were like 35 people around the 18th green, you know, due to health and safety protocols and everything. It was one of the weirdest experiences. I mean, what I, what I try to kind of uh, equate it to is like, imagine you go to Broadway, somebody in the, you know, pick a famous theater on Broadway and there's nobody in the audience. And then somebody just has this amazing performance one night only solo act. And it's like, there was nobody there to see it. I mean, like, it was just like, that's how it felt. It was so weird. And so we were so excited, obviously in 21 to start to bring people back. And there's a moment in 2021 that just sticks out of my mind. I was on the ninth green and uh, it was Thursday and the pairing was, uh, it was Brooks and, uh, Phil and Bubba. And it was, um, it was just one of those things. The crowds were there. Uh, everybody was standing around and somebody made a putt for birdie. I forget who it was. And people went crazy. And these two fans looked at each other and they were like, wow, we've missed just being together. You know, like we've, we've missed just like seeing each other. And it was, and it was to your point, you used the word normal. Like I hadn't seen a look on people's face in so long that actually looked normal. And they just looked at each other like, Hey, here we are at the travelers championship celebrating this and oh my gosh this feels normal and i'm like oh my gosh we just made people feel normal for a brief moment and that was just it was a it was a special uh, it was a special moment but yeah that's uh, that was one that jumps out for sure i mean this tournament has produces moment after moment each and every year and last year you look back at that playoff that you had what was that like from your perspective and seeing it i mean it feels like everyone regardless of even if you were a huge golf fan seemed to tune in and as that playoff picked up steam uh, last year. Well, so yeah, about the first hour and a half, it was amazing. The last 45 minutes, I started to get very nervous going, man, are we ready for the Monday finish? Do we have volunteers? You know, it's like, I think it was probably the longest day of the year. When you look, I think we had like 23 hours of daylight that day. And I was like, there's no way we're going to run out of daylight. And then it would just, so I don't know, there's a lot of mixed emotions, but to your point, it was, if you go back to when that final round teed off, right, it was Bubba, and Kramer Hickok were in the final pairing and Bubba was getting ready to, you know, he could have won his fourth travelers championship ties, Billy Casper. Like, I mean, the crowd momentum was all there for Bubba and Kramer was in that last group. And on the first tee, it was Bubba, Bubba, you know, and everybody was going crazy. What was going to happen? And then over the course of the next four hours, 
it, the momentum just started to flip. Kramer was making a run. Bubba had a rough finish. And then by the 18th hole, it was so cool because Bubba kind of took a step back as he was coming up the 18th. Uh, and then, cause he knew Kramer had a chance to be in the playoff. And, yeah. and so it was kind of cool to see that. And then my goodness, when you get the drama of Kramer's wife flew in from Texas the night before to surprise him. Cause he was in the final pairing and, and then they, they brought the dog and I mean, like there was all this human interest stuff going on and then they were panning the camera after every birdie putt to force the playoff and to miss. And so it was just, it was cool. And the crowds got into it. I mean, they're doing the wave on 18 and they're chanting and it was, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's what Connecticut does. Connecticut does sports fans the right way. Like, I mean, we have a very educated base. We have people who love sport. We have people who, um, just know how to cheer and just like, they, they're, they're aware of what this is and they're appreciative of the players. And so when you get good crowds, um, with good competition, it, it creates some amazing theater. I, I've got to ask, I'm curious in terms of the playoff format, is that something that you as, you know, the tournament can determine how that is, or is that coming from the PGA tour? Who do we have to talk to to get 15 thrown in the, in the playoffs? <laughs> so here's what I'd have to say to that. So first of all, it's a, it's a group of us, right? It's a tournament. It's a title with travelers. It's the PGA tour rules, officials It's CBS, from a broadcast standpoint. So a lot of people are involved and we were, we got the, a lot of those questions post event. We said, Hey, what about 15? You know, it's drive yeah. par four. Could you imagine the drama, you know, and things like that. And I said, okay, here's what I have to say to that. Has anybody ever been to Spain during the running of the bulls? Because if you have been to Pamplona, <laughs> I mean, when, when you look, when you look at 15, right, when you look at how it's built and how it's at St. Like in a perfect world, Yes, I could totally see how 15 would be great. But to get 25,000 people down around 15 in seven minutes, like that is probably not going to happen, right? I mean, it would mean it's like a narrow corridor. And I mean, if you, if you remember from the broadcast, how all the people got to run down player left of 18, they filled in 17. I mean, there's, hundreds of yards that people were filling in right and uh if we did it on 15 i mean again in a perfect world if there's no hospitality if there's no rope lines if there's no nothing yeah i could see that being pretty cool but i don't you you can't you can't fit that same number of people around 15 that you can around 18 and i would hate it if people got to miss it you know like let's say that we would have gone to 15 let's say people can't get in Let's say that, you know, it ends after the first hole and people are like, wait, what, what happened? What happened? So believe me, we looked at it for, for this year, but I mean, we, um, we are going to, we're going to keep it on 18 to let people really just kind of enjoy all of it. No, that, that, that's fair. And that, that's the logical way to think about it. I'm the, the crazy sports fan who wants as much drama as possible. So 15 is <laughs> the first one that, that jumps to mind for me. Yeah. Um, looking at ahead to this year, I know we, we've talked in the past and one of the things that's always been cool about this tournament has been that it follows the u.s open and this year you've got the u.s open right up the road in in brookline what's it been like Mm -hmm. this year recruiting players and trying to get them into into cromwell coming from such a nearby location you know what we found is so i again i got to go backwards before i go forwards it's like every probably every other year right we have like a west coast open and east coast open that we follow and so you know, we've been able to kind of track this and be like, okay, you know, player involvement, when guys commit, strength of field, stuff like that. And it's actually been pretty consistent, whether we have a West Coast or an East Coast, when you look at the stats. But what does happen is when there's an East Coast open, the guys will commit earlier. And so, I mean, that's why you saw 
Um, I think guys just, they just know their schedule better when they know it's on the East coast. And so like, that's why you saw Rory commit so early and Justin Thomas commit so early. And, you know, like the guys that they, they know their schedule more. So I think what we found is there's earlier commitments. So that's on, on that side. But then on the other side, people are just regionally, people are just thinking about golf, you know, like we kind of draft off of the, you know, excitement of there being a major in new England and, and things like that. So, I mean, you get to kind of, you know, get pulled into that and then, you know, it's just, just awesome. They're right to your point. They're literally right up the road and they'll be here the the week after. And so we're actually staging cars up there and doing things for the guys where as soon as they finish the U S open, they can just jump in their tournament courtesy car and drive down here or, you know, see a little bit of new England or something like that. So it's definitely fun to get all the buzz um, and kind of, you know, pull it into that, pull it into our buzz. In, in terms of the player field, I know you, you mentioned some of the guys who have committed early, but it, it, it's already a, a great field. You, you've gotten the guys who have won both majors so far. You've gotten the runner up to those Tell people who, who might not have seen what the field looks like so far and, uh, you know, how it's shaping up to be so far this year. Sure. I, I mean, right now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think we have five of the top ten right now. I think we're probably going to get at least another two or three of those, to be honest, uh, when it's all said and done. But as of right now, you got, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, number one ranked player in the world, who's, I think, by far the hottest player in, in golf right now over the last probably year, I would say. I mean, he's he's having a Tiger-esque year, right? I mean, he's, I think, winning 50% of the events <laughs> that he's entering or something crazy like that. So, I mean, he is, you know, the most dominant player right now and, and he's coming. It's great. Um, you know, like I said, Justin Thomas and then you got Xander Shoffley and then you got, uh, you know, Patrick Cantley and then Harold Varner, who just, you know, is such a great guy. And he almost, uh, you know, was right there in the mix last week at, uh, at Schwab. And so I'm kind of thinking down through the list. But, you know, I think we have five of the top 10 right now. Like I said, we'll probably end up with seven or eight of the top 10. And I, that just you know, it makes me excited for the fans. Like they want to come out, see the best players in the world and travelers is committed to, you know, getting the best players in the world here. And it's, uh, it's awesome. That they're going to be here. I, I know you've been with the tournament for a while. How does it compare recruiting players and trying to get them to participate in the tournament now versus when you, when you first started, because I know the tournament's undergone, you know, a ton of changes, at least in terms of the, the popularity and just the awards and recognition that the event has got. How much easier is it now to try to attract these players than it was back in, you, you started, what, 2005? 2005. And for your listeners, uh, Jared just called me old, okay? <laughs> that, that's what that was. That was a very yeah. – hey, so well, you've been here a long time. <laughs> hey, I, it, it, I, I'm starting to get up with the age thing. I, I, I hit 30 the week after the tournament, so I, I'm getting that uh, – all, right. uh, all right, all right, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. No, so to your point, I, I think when uh, when I got here in 05, it, you know, the, just the tournament was in a different place. I mean – it was, you know, when this tournament gets played in August, that's a, that's a challenging date. Um, you know, people in new England in August like to, uh, um, you know, go on vacation, you know, and it's just, it, August isn't, you know, I would say the ideal position, but I'll, I'll tell you a story that this kind of encapsulates it. So the, we had, so when we got the date the week after the U S open, right. When travelers signed on his title, the, the available date for a PGA tour event was the week after the open. And, um, I, you know, historically people, media fans would be like, Oh, that's a tough, um, that's a tough week to get players. And we said, you know what, we're going to do everything we can to make sure our field is good. And we're going to get a good field and stuff like that. But I did an interview in 2007, our first year, uh, the week after the U S open with travelers and literally I'm going to kind of, you know, um, 
consolidate the uh, the question. But basically, what they asked me, what the media asked me was kind of like, how did you, why did you make the tour so mad? Like, how did you get saddled with the week after the open? Like, like basically they said, what did you do to get the week after the open? And it was not done in a, the question was not framed in a positive way. And I said, look, we'll be okay. You know, we have a committed title. We'll get there and blah, blah, blah. You know, and fast forward like 10 years, I want to say it was like 2017 when we had Jordan and Rory, you know, and all these guys coming for the first time. And I had a totally different reporter stick a microphone in my face. And they said, what did you do to get the week after the U.S. Open? It's an amazing week. And, you know, so same words, different way that they framed it. But it's like, I mean, I think the guys like when there is a title sponsor who is committed you know, and Andy Bissett from Travelers is out there with me on tour talking to the guys and recruiting the players and, you know, you know, building relationships. And if if, if we didn't have that from a tournament side, I mean, it, we would be at a huge disadvantage. But we have our title sponsor out there. The guys know him. The caddies know him. The wives know him. You know, it's like, OK. And, the, and so the players look at Travelers and they're like, oh, there is a committed title. There's someone who cares about us. They they're they're investing in the tournament, new practice facility, new clubhouse. You know all these things that have happened since Travelers became title, and then the guys just feel connected to your event. So I mean that's what happens. That's when you get that question of, boy, what did you do to get the date after the Open? To what did you do to get the date after the Open? I mean that's directly related to the investment Travelers has made, and you know, and then the guys they they circle it on the calendar, and we've been we've been very fortunate. Definitely. As we look towards this year's event, I, I know there's always something new, different. I, I know this year, no, no limits on capacity, right? We're, we're back to, to full. We are back to full. And it is. And the way ticket sales are going, it is going to be a fun party out there. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can fans expect as they head out to the course this year uh, for this year's tournament? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things we we liked, we learned, we created, you know, there's a lot of different ways I could say this, but we wanted to make sure, you know, that we, we have great hospitality at the tournament. You know, when companies come out, they entertain people. Like we, we absolutely love the experience that, that we're able to provide on the, you know, I would say on the corporate side, you know, the high end tickets, but we have made an effort over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years to make sure, Hey, if a general admission ticket buy it, right. I want to come out on Thursday, me and my buddy are coming out, me and my husband, wife, boyfriend, whatever, you know, we're coming out and we want to have a, just like, what, what does the general ticket get you for you and your friends and your partners, whatever it is. And we're like, we need to invest in this. And so this year we have five different venues on property that are free and open to the public. And, um, we included parking in the ticket this year to where it's, you know, you don't have to stop and pay, pay for parking. It's like, you can get in. And then I walk in and there are five different venues that are climate controlled, get some shade, get some food that the general public can go into. And so literally, if you are a a ticket holder that you just went online and bought a Thursday ticket, you're going to feel like, Oh, Hey man, I got places I can go. I have venues that I can go inside. I have, you know, and they're strategically placed around the golf course. So I think from a fan experience standpoint, we have tried very, very hard to make sure, you know, how you park, how you exit, venues that you get on property. We, I mean, because golf's kind of unique. You can be out there all day, right? You can come out there from 640 in the morning for the first tee time and stay till 730 at night. Like, I mean, we want the facility to feel like Disneyland. Like when you walk on property, like you're going to spend the day here and we want to take care of you while you're here. So whether it's the venues or how we've laid out our concession program or how we flipped around parking or where we've put, 
you know, places are people going to get like free little surprise and delight gifts as they walk by like, Hey, thanks for coming. You know, like here's a umbrella, here's a hat or whatever. Like that's all experiences that the the fans can expect this year. Yeah, no, it, it, it's great to hear that. And, and I already tried my pitch on uh playoff on 15th. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I saw this yesterday at, at the uh, RBC Canadian open. They, they've got a crane overlooking the 18th fairway where people are going to be able to sit starting uh, this year. So m- maybe something Jared, to consider going forward. That is, listen to me, that is terrifying. Okay. <laughs> that, that tournament director, that tournament director, his name is Brian Crawford and uh, he runs a great event up there. And first of all, I'm so excited that they're back. They had two years where they have not yeah. played that golf tournament in Canada. And so, I mean, I, I know Brian, I'm really excited for the you know Canadian golf association. All the fans up there in Canada, they're coming back. But he sent me that. He goes, Hey, what do you think of this a couple months ago? And I said, <laughs> I said, that is terrifying, Brian. I said, I, I like, I am, I like, I'm holding on to my chair in my living room while I'm looking at this picture. But no, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be crazy to, to, to see that and yeah. to do that. And I just really hope for no wind and a very, <laughs> very calm weather experience for anybody going up on that thing. Yeah, no, I, I saw that and I, I couldn't tell if it's something I would or wouldn't want to do. I, I feel like may, maybe try it for a few minutes just to. Uh, you, you know what? I should have clarified. Like. When, I said, when I said Disneyland, I didn't literally mean Disneyland. So, like, I meant <laughs> the Disneyland. Now you're starting to say, hey, where are your rides? So, anyway, yeah, yeah but no, that, that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I, I'm curious, I just basing going off that in, in how you you talk with the tournament director up there how often are, are tournament directors you know kind of getting together sharing ideas and, and how much are you guys doing that type of collaboration together oh my goodness all the time i had i talked to brian this week um we had a call actually there was not 12 of us on a call two days ago about some different issues we are constantly talking it's one of the coolest things in the industry none of us feel threatened by each other so we are always sharing ideas like, hey, what did you guys do about parking and blah, 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 blah? What did you guys do about restrooms when you did this? What, you know, what did we find when we did this? You know, are there any programs? And everybody is so honest. Um, I think this, so here's one of the biggest examples in 2020 when we were kind of coming back online, right? There was it. Uh, we were one of the first events back and uh, we were the third event. So it went um, the event. The, Colonial uh, in Texas, and then it went to RBC in South Carolina, and then it went to us, right? We were one of the first three sporting, honestly, one of the first three sporting events back. And the tournament director from Texas on Monday morning after they had their event, he sent Steve Wilmont, who's at RBC, and myself the next two tournaments. He sent the next two of us. He said, hey, guys, here's the top 10 things that I learned from what just happened with no crowds, with no bleachers, with no this. And he's like, I didn't expect these 10 things. And it was so helpful. And then Steve the next week said, okay, I'm going to add to that list. Here are the 10 things that I didn't expect. Heads up, Nathan. And then I added to that list for the next guys, you know, that, that were coming up. So it's a really good group. We, we all feel like we can help each other. We don't feel threatened by each other. And we, we think we're going to get better as a tour if everybody's helping each other. No, it's, it's cool to hear how, how it works like that and, and how you all have, you know, got those relationships to, to collaborate and make these events across the country and I guess uh, internationally now with Canada there, uh, make mm-hmm. them all the best that they could be. Uh, I know that one of the big parts of this tournament is the community efforts and, and what goes back into the community and to the charities across across the state. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and what to expect from that this year? Oh, it's it's the best part of the tournament, uh, Jared, to be honest. I mean, it is, again, for your listeners, like, think about it this way. Um, if you take what the NFL, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, 
professional soccer, like you take all the major sports leagues and you combine what they give to charity, the PGA Tour on its own gives more charity each year than all of those other professional sports organizations combined to back to charity. So like, just kind of let that sit for a second. Like every single week, money is going back to communities because of PGA tour events that that's part of their DNA. That's their goal. And so that's how we're set up, right? I mean, we are, the tournament is run by a nonprofit. So what happens is anything the tournament makes, we give back to charity. And so we have a hundred, I mean, last year we had, oh gosh, 120 charities and we generated, I think it was like $2.2 million in, in charitable dollars. And that is a massive part of who we are. I mean, that's how we run our business. We know if we run our business really, really well, we know if we, you know, keep expenses tight, if we have the right margins on things, if we save money, if we raise money, like we're going to generate more money for charity. And we try to tell the stories of those charities all the time. I mean, we obviously have a primary beneficiary with a hole in the wall gang camp. They're a phenomenal partner, what they do for kids here in the state, actually, I mean, around the world, but it's really focused here in the state of Connecticut with their camp. But then we have 119 other charities that benefit from the tournament. And so, you know, we, we tell our partners that like, Hey, supporting the travelers championship, like, you know, feel good about it because one, it should be good for your business because hopefully, you know, we're, we're providing you a good platform to grow your business. But two, at the end of the day, here's what happens with all the money. So um, it's a really unique aspect of professional sports and it's uh, one that we're very proud of. No, that's great. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. I, I know everyone always talks about Tiger as the big guy to try to get to the tournament. During your time at, uh, at here running the, the Travelers Championship, has there been a player that you've been trying to nail down or someone you really would like to see show up that, that hasn't made the appearance yet that you're still working on? I mean, Jared, to be honest, when you, when you look back from 07, like who the top players in the world were, and then who basically were the young guys coming out that were going to be the top players in the world. Like we, we've had all of them here. Yeah. I mean, T Tiger was an interesting one where, uh, you know, back when we had the week after the open, I mean, he, he was pretty clear that, you know, the week after majors are not, something that he likes to play, yeah. right? He doesn't do it. And and so we talked about it saying, okay, you know what? Would we ever consider moving the date for one player? And it was like, you know what? No, like we wouldn't. Like June, the third week in June, like this is the right date for Connecticut. This is the right date for us. Yeah. It makes sense. And we kind of knew like, okay, you know, we're going to have some uphill battles. But to be honest, if you were to go back, and track. I mean, everybody who's been ranked number one in the world or the top players. I mean, yeah, everybody's been here at some point. Here, yeah. And then, and then you get. It's actually interesting too. You look at the top ten in the world right now. I think five. I have to look exactly five or six of them. We had given exemptions to right out of college. And so, like you know, building relationships with the next tiger, the next yeah. generation of players, you know, was always something very, very important to us. So. I, again, I, I kind of said it earlier in the in the show that I'm excited for our fans for that, right? I mean, they they get to come out and say, "Hey, I'm going to see." You know, maybe everybody's not here the same year, but you know, uh, over the next, you know, till 2030, travelers, you know, sign their title sponsorship through 2030. Over the next, you know, seven eight years, I'm going to see the top players in the world here, and uh, that's I think that's great for our fans. Yeah, it, it's awesome. Well, Nathan, I, I really appreciate the time. Looking forward to being back out at, at TPC River Highlands for this year's Travelers Championship, and appreciate the time. Jared, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and we will uh, see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter. 
at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.